2: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: Pabst Blue Ribbon. Always smooth, always refreshing. Gold medal winner at the 2016 Great American Beer Festival. When you're this good, quality always comes through. PBR Army, ASAP. This episode is presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. For tickets for an upcoming game or concert, visit TicketKingOnline.com or a quick link from the 1500 esbmcom sports calendar page. TicketKingOnline.com, 612-341-4141.
3: The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production.
1: For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings... We present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast.
3: Welcome to another edition of the Purple Podcast. I'm Ben Gessling from ESPN, joined by Matthew Collar and Judd Zolgat of 1500 ESPN. We are eight days away from the... Super Bowl of the NFL offseason. The NFL draft is upon us. The Vikings, of course, do not have a pick until number 48, which would happen on Friday night. But there is always the possibility that Rick Spielman will thrill us. He will delight us. He will trade back into the first round as he has been wont to do and uh, make headlines on night one of the draft. We'll discuss the possibilities of that in what will probably be a fairly draft-heavy episode. Uh, Guys, let's start there. Um, the, The Vikings certainly don't have a pick on the opening night of the draft, should... Knock on wood, I guess, make it an easier night for us, but it, certainly there's fans that are going to be watching it. We're going to be watching it to see if they trade back in. My questions to start with are these. Number one, will they trade back in? And number two, should they trade back in?
0: Well, historically speaking, it seems like it's a possibility, doesn't it? Uh, the, I look at this draft and what they need, and I think about the lack of really good offensive line prospects, and it just makes me think... It is a possibility. There's a couple of guys who are the better prospects in this draft up front who will be there probably toward the end of the first round when teams are usually willing to move. I'm thinking of someone do like... Do you lamp. love Lamp? I do love Lamp. Forrest Lamp, I think, is at least how he's projected is to be a very good guard.
3: Now, do you really love the Lamp, or are you just saying that because you saw it there?
0: Um, I really love the Lamp uh, because I think he's a good player. He's and his, At least his combine measurables and everything else... Make him look like he would be a, a starting guard for a long time, and I think the hit rate on guards is pretty good.
3: Matthew Collar, our, our very own Brick Tamlin, uh,
0: yes, or uh, very, uh, or I've just read the internet on guards, and uh, Forrest Lamp is usually at the top. It, there's no good way of predicting it, but uh, someone like him, I think, I was would,
3: trying to compare you to Brick.
0: Yeah, that's fine. Uh, would make I am more like the guy who does the sports cast in his underpants on Anchorman, <laughs> um, but anyway. That's how I do all my draft writing. If anyone reads my work, picture me that way when you're reading Anyway, Judd, what do you got? Good to know. But but I I see it as unlikely but also possible because there are only a couple of good offensive linemen in this draft. So if someone is there at the end of the first round, maybe they do it because they have the capital to make that move with two-thirds and two-fourths.
2: I would agree with that, and I also think that uh, there's a potential that Rick Spielman can't help himself here, and Rick always talks about, I like to accumulate picks, so if we need to move back up at times, I can move back up. Um, I am going to say that there's probably a very decent chance that they, if if the line help that you're talking about is there late first round, that at that point in time, they go and try and make a move, possibly package, uh, what, the third, a third rounder and a fourth and something else. But... Uh, it the will second not, probably yeah. It will not surprise me one bit because keep in mind, boys, this is the same GM and the same team that uh, that had gotten uh, Rhodes and Floyd in a draft, and you said that's pretty good for the first round. <laughs> but that's not enough, and they couldn't help themselves. And Bill Belichick, who they should have hung up on, they should. You know what? <laughs> when caller ID said Foxborough, Mass, they shouldn't have picked up. Given history, right? They not only pick up, but they send. Is this right? Four draft picks. To the Patriots, yeah. and they get a seventh back, and they decide to take a wide receiver who, of course, we know had played one year of legitimate Division I college football. Uh, when you make a trade like that based on a prospect of what you think that you can do with a guy, I'm not putting it past you to make a trade to get into the late first round to take a line.
3: There is no limit to what the Minnesota Vikings will pay to use the phrase, pull your number 84 jerseys out, apparently, to the New England Patriots. Now, the question is... The follow-up to this, which neither of you decided to answer, maybe you got bored with my long question, should they trade back in the first round? We've discussed whether they will, and we, we agree that it's possible. I would also agree that it's possible, but should they?
0: I'm conflicted on this because in one way I think your window to win here with this defense is going to be pretty short because that's how windows to win with defenses work. If you go back and look at the numbers from last year, you could make a good case they have the second-best pass defense in the league and miss the playoffs. And when you do that, it's pretty frustrating because it's very hard to go year after year after year where you could be one of the best pass defenses. You need guys to stay healthy. You need them not to leave Captain Right? You need good players to stay, and so when you get them, uh, you really want to win in that window, basically. So you, uh, to mm-hmm. me, you've got a pretty good look at a good defense again this year. A good chance of it with the edge rushers that you have in their prime. Uh, Xavier Rhodes in his prime. We'll see what happens if he wants to leave in free agency. That's what I mean about how short these windows can be. But this year, you know you have him. So if there's a player that's there that's a win-now type of guy, a plug-and-play type of player at a position you really need – like right guard, I can see the case for it. I also think, and I know that Rick Spielman would say that this wouldn't matter and he's not thinking this way, but how could you not think about your job security when you're making a pick? If you see a really good guard toward the end of the first round and you know your right guard position is wide open, how could you not think, boy, if we go 6-10 and 10 or 7-9 and nine this year, I'm out, so we better get a guy that's going to help us right now.
2: Ben, um, I think I like it more when Rick doesn't try and get cute. So I'm going to say no. I'm going to say I don't think I think that they should sit there. They've got a second round pick, two third round picks, two uh, fourth round picks. As we know, they're coming off a draft, which they will try and convince you all oh, we're cultivating our talent from the 2016 draft. No, your 2016 draft sucked. Uh, so if I'm them, I keep my picks unless I get an unbelievable offer, and I take those picks and I say to myself, I'm going to go out and find. Uh, Talent throughout the draft by not mortgaging a bunch of picks for one selection.
3: Yeah, I would. I would agree. Uh, I. I don't think it's a great idea to do it. i given the fact that you are going to probably have to give up a third and a fourth in addition to your second. So in some ways, almost the trade you made for Patterson, right? I mean, you know, in some ways, it's pretty similar. To I guess there's not a seventh round pick in there. But, uh, right, but it's still a but it's it's a lot. Really good trade it's a for lot. the team that you're dealing with. Yeah, and, and and as we look at the roster, there are a lot more areas, and they may not be glaring holes. But I've been working on this before the draft, at the start of off-season workouts, kind of position by position thing. As I go through it, I, you know, I sit there and think to myself, you can go through almost every one of these positions and say, yeah, they could use a guy here, they could use a little bit of an upgrade there. You could bring in some competition in this spot or that spot. It It's really hard to do that when you don't have the picks, especially those high picks that they have. To me, it makes more sense to sit and, and add pieces, especially when you got so little from that draft class last year.
0: I would agree with that. And and I don't think that I capped it off by saying that I wouldn't. I just could see a case yeah. for it. No, oh, absolutely. When, you could see you, it happening. Yeah, when you factor in that this regime here with Zimmer and Spielman has had its chance and really needs uh, to get back into the playoffs this year. But I wouldn't also, because of exactly what you said, and really the thing that sticks out in my mind a lot is the Sheree Floyd injury. Yeah. Yeah. Before the Cherie Floyd injury, maybe you could say, man, if we get that one guard or that one player, then we our roster is set, Floyd's going to come back, and when he's healthy, we know he's a beast, and those two in the middle are two of the best, but... If he's not, then that adds another draft need, and you just can't be giving away those picks if you need to uh, bring in guys who maybe even might have to start right away or at least provide valuable depth uh, at the offensive line position, but now on the defensive line as well, which wasn't a place that we originally thought would be a need. And I also think if you're just talking about the percentages here, if you're taking two guys in the third, two guys in the fourth, those are probably pretty decent prospects right. who have a good chance to end up being uh, significant starters for your team. We know that not all thirds or fourths <laughs> will be that, but Daniel Hunter's a third round pick. Uh, you know, Eric Hendricks is a second round pick. Yeah. So you, you have basically five shots that are halfway decent at getting a player who can either help you now or potentially a couple of years down the road to be really good. So I would not, uh, spend all of that capital to move up for one guy.
3: Yeah, and if you think about the draft as sort of being, and you've talked about it, and I, I've written about it in recent weeks as well. I mean, if you think about the draft as being this almost, we, we've we got darts that we're throwing at a wall, and some of them will hit, some of them won't. The more darts you have, the better chance you're going to have. And, and I think the idea that, especially after maybe outside the top 10 or 15 picks, that we have this guy that we know is going to be a, a complete success Probably can be chalked up to hubris at times, and, and certainly there's plenty of of that to go around in the NFL. But uh, not with the
2: Vikings. I have no idea what you're talking about.
3: No, I just mean in the NFL in general. I, I'm not talking specifically about the Vikings, of course. But uh, yeah, I mean, you get to a point where if you take that out of it, you can you can kind of look at it and say, well, it's it's probably better to just give ourselves a number of cracks at it here.
0: So now, how do you decide if you're talking about that second round pick that I think? really should be a player that you can play this year. Yeah. like Even if you're talking about, all right, we're keeping our eyes on the future, but with that second pick, having, uh, say, Mackenzie Alexander be your second-round pick and give you nothing in a year last year might have been okay because you're all right. You're in the secondary. You're pretty good, so maybe he's a prospect that can play this year. That's okay where they were at that point. Where they are now, there's too many needs where you need this to be an actual player. So where do you guys have it in terms of, like, the top position, let's say that there were equal prospects at running back, wide receiver, offensive line, defensive line. To me, those are the four and tight end too. yeah, those are the, those are the five positions that clearly they need to draft someone in my mind. If they're, if they were even across the board, just as a prospect and their chance of being good, where would you rank those? What would you have at the top? In terms of the biggest need? Yes. In terms of, yeah, like who you would pick yeah, if they were it? all equal prospects, equal chance in your mind to be a really good player. So
3: O-line, D-line, running back, tight end?
0: And wide receiver. And I think wide receiver is yes. a need, too, yes. after losing uh, I, two of them.
3: I would agree with that. I would say if they are all equal, I'm deferring to the position that is the most important of those, and to me that's the offensive line. Especially given the fact that they haven't drafted those guys. I mean, they they got themselves in this boat in some ways by saying, no, we can we can patch this together with mid-round picks or signing free agents without going too crazy on the contract, which means that you're going to probably not get the top free agent on the market a lot of times. And the fact that that hasn't worked, in addition to the fact that the number four overall pick didn't solve your problem in left tackle, to me, you, you need to, to focus on that position first. I, I just think that that is the spot where... That's been a, a big enough source of problems for a long enough time, and it's an important enough position when you're going to throw the ball as much as they probably are. That I, I think I'd go that way if, so if everything else
2: is equal. So guard.
3: Well, yeah, probably. I mean, if there's a tackle there, I I wouldn't rule that out. I mean, you have I mean, you have tackles now that that should start, but we all know that injuries happen, and sure. and I don't know that I would. Uh, make my bed with Mike Remmers forever uh if there was a guy that could play I I think I'd think about it and and maybe a guy that can slide inside we'll see
0: and there are a few guys that were tackles in college and this was Dawkins this was Lamp, but I was I was thinking of Deion Dawkins where when you look at his measurables and how he plays you think you know he could be a a right tackle Mm -hmm. maybe he's more likely a guard in the NFL so you get him get your hands on him and then you see where he's at And So there are probably like four or five guys who are second-round prospects that play tackle because they're freak athletes that might eventually move
2: inside. I agree with Ben. Here's my question, and, and I'm curious about this. The head coach can never get enough defense, and so my question is on draft night, is he going to go along with what Rick says, which I would hope would be offensive line, or is Zim going to try and weigh in by saying, Sharif Floyd's gone, boys. Yeah. And if Sharif Floyd's gone... So I do think that there might be a, a struggle in there internally about that. But if it's up to me, I think you've got to go with a position that, as Ben said, if you look, it's just been neglected. I mean, in the yeah. it's, it's aside from Khalil, it's unbelievable how many times they've tried to just piecemeal this thing together with fourth, fifth, and sixth round picks. So... Offensive line guard to me is is the place I start.
0: And what's important about the offensive line there, because I agree with both of you on that um, with one little asterisk, which is Malik McDowell. If Malik McDowell, who's one of the most talented players in the draft, yeah. but may drop because people are concerned about his drive or his competitiveness, whether mm-hmm. he really wants it, um, but he is a supremely talented player. So yes. if he if he's there, he's a defensive tackle skilled enough to step right in and be an impact player. So I would say that, and this the same might go for other guys who could drop. I mean, if there's a John Ross or something, who's a really good wide receiver prospect, no way he gets to the second. But just,
3: <laughs> what mark have you been looking yeah, at? No, John no, no. Ross just, is there at 48.
0: Right. No, I'm just saying, like it's just an example of a guy who I've seen in the late first. Now, he's been moving up since the yeah, combine. Yeah. Originally, he's a late, Mixon, huh? originally, he's a late first. And some people would say this about Joe Mixon. I, if I were playing GM, I would not select Joe Mixon. But, he is their exact example of mm-hmm. this guy is the number one player at his position, and he dropped for whatever reason, so that's the asterisk. But uh, with the offensive line, a key part of drafting O-line is, can you tell me that uh, Alex Boone, who had a concussion last year, Joe Berger, who had a concussion last year, mm-hmm. right guard, there isn't even one, but let's just say it's Jeremiah Searles. Like, are none of these guys going to get hurt? Last year when someone got hurt, it was yep. like, a truck fire. Yeah, and what they didn't have is anyone else. It was like
3: a plane skidding off a runway. <laughs> Wait, that actually <laughs> yeah, happened it doesn't too. Happen yes, that much, it though. was like guys it, hanging from the rafters. Way that happened too. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, I won't it's bring it here. to keep going? Not, not twenty ten, but it was quite a year. Um,
2: Roof collapsing.
0: So when somebody got hurt, there was no one to fill in. Yeah. In this case, if you drafted someone that you saw as a possible really good starter, I mean, when you're taking second round, you can't expect this person to come in and be ready right away. That's only really good players. But if you're expecting him, okay, next year, Deion Dawkins will be good, or two years from now, we really believe in him once he gets uh, some NFL pads on him. Uh Uh-oh, it's week six, and we lost two interior offensive linemen. Well, Well, TJ, come on down. Can't have that happen again. Uh, Exactly. You need someone who is a high level of talent player who may, it might not be perfect yet, but he's going to at least provide you decent play yeah. based on
3: his raw skills alone. You're right. In the, in the scenario where they wind up with TJ Clemmings on the field, playing important games, playing important snaps, is one guy getting hurt, right? I mean, they, they don't have a lot of depth there. I mean, maybe you can move a few pieces around and something else comes up. But... They haven't really solved that problem. I mean, yes, they have two tackles now that you you feel like are going to be better than what they had, probably. If they're healthy, though. If they're healthy, but to that's the point. thing. And keeping five of those guys healthy is really tough to do. They had a couple of years back in, in 2012 where, like, I think 2012 and 2013 they got, like, out of a possible 160 starts from those 10 spots, they had, like, 158 or something like that. I mean, they, they had nobody get hurt, but... That to, to to the degree that injuries are random, that wasn't going to continue. Is there they any? There's going to be a kickback on that.
0: Is there any reason not to bring in Evan Mathis, Jari Evans, Austin Pastor? Like these guys are still free agents, and yeah. all that, names bandied about here but, before.
2: But yeah, not, so
3: Evan Mathis has been
2: talked about a lot. Since I was on the beat. I think
0: none of them are like terrific, or they'd be on teams right now. Right. But. Jarry Evans is old, but he was, like, okay. He was yeah. an average lineman last year. Evan Mathis, even though he's old, when he was healthy, he got hurt last year. When yeah. he was healthy, he was, like, top-notch. And uh, Pastor was, is, like, a fill-in guy but can play right tackle and guard. It seems to me that no matter what you do in this draft, you should still grab uh, one T.J. of Clemmings these. Clemmings is
2: still here, Matthew. Don't forget that. And yeah, I'm sure that's they're convinced they can me. get something from that him. That worries me. This team doesn't. This team, has. It's weird. The pride from this team, the, the pride factor, really can kill them sometimes, right? Because we do see a lot of occasions where they give guys, and it's like, are you going to stop giving this guy? A I mean, poor T.J. clemmings is not his fault, but they basically ruined him. But they're going to continue to parade him out yeah. there as a backup in training camp. Cordero Patterson, in some ways, yeah. An so, of t- that. so I mean, a, the answer to your question, way. Collar, is: Given the circumstances of this team, would it make sense to possibly run two of those guys through here? Yeah, probably would. Do I do I expect the Vikings as their setup structure not to do it? Absolutely not.
0: Do you think it'll, Do you think that same factor will get in the way of drafting a defensive back? I didn't even list when I gave you guys the uh, potential positions. I didn't I was, even list safety.
2: I was
3: wondering if you were going to list that.
0: But but I, I did an article just the other day about the case for drafting a safety because yeah. there could be some really good ones in the second yeah. round. Maybe the best player on the board at that point, and I think there is a good case for drafting a safety because last year when either Anderson Deho or Harrison Smith got hurt, it was as bad as left tackle was. Yeah, it it was. was every bit as bad and destroyed them in a couple of games.
3: Well, and, and the thing is, if you're you're sitting there saying, okay, we can get more out of guys like J. Ron Curse or Anthony Harris, I mean, possibly, but there is a temptation, and I, I would imagine the Vikings are not the only team that does this, but I think there's a temptation to say, oh, well, this guy's going to develop. We're going to, we're going to get more out of this guy and this is going to solve our problem. I don't know that there's enough consideration given to the, well, wait a minute, what if this doesn't work? Like, What are we going to do if everything doesn't go according to plan? And it's a lot easier to get up there and say, yeah, we got it all figured out. We think this is going to be great. This is going to be great. We see it all playing out. Not everybody can see it as clearly as we can. It's easy to do that, but
2: I mean, isn't there an obligation to say, what if
3: something doesn't go according to plan here? I think
2: on defense, a lot of the times they're convinced that they can overcome the faults by coaching them out out of players. Yeah, I really do. I think that they are. and, And Zimmer's very good. Don't get me wrong. But that being said, you do see circumstances where it's like they think, "Okay, if this guy can't do this, we'll teach him how. They might be right. They might also not not be right mm-hmm. consistently, but yes, this the safety question to me is very intriguing because going back uh, to the combine or the press conference that Zimmer did last off season when he talked about if we ever could put a guy by, yeah. by Harrison Smith to turn him completely loose and how good he, he would be, I've always been intrigued, and the Vikings internally have to be intrigued by the proposition of Harrison Smith as almost a just. A rover from safety, yeah, where he could be. Think about how good I mean, dominant at that point. I would think
0: if you had imagine if you had two players who could just play this the safety position at any given time, just in whatever defensive package you put out there. Two guys not named Harrison Smith who could reasonably play that spot, yeah, and then he could move up and play at the line of scrimmage, he can cover one-on-one he can blitz he can tackle in the run game that's just on a unique package he would Mm -hmm. be back there all the time usually but you could bring in that as a package the guy that i've been interested by is buddha baker from uh washington who's supposed to be there but he's just a little short like that's you know how this goes like someone's not the ideal size they drop down the board i i think okay i mean like stefan Diggs doesn't exactly have the body and I went back and read his draft profile. Oh, he's afraid to go over the middle because he doesn't have the body. Like, well, that's kind of all he does now. So, yeah. I mean, you know, that's, I, that always to me is a little bit of an eye roll. Uh, if the guy can play, then you want him on your team. But if you were to add him who can also is quick enough to, to cover and can come up and play in the nickel spot, it would give you some depth, but it might also give you flexibility for Harrison Smith. And then it's on. I mean, like, if you can use him all over the field right. – that he would just be a nightmare. Well,
3: and it's interesting I when Zimmer said that I think all of our ears kind of perked up. And we've all sort of thought that safety is somebody that can cover a deep third or a deep half and let Harrison Smith move. I'm I, I wonder it's sometimes if it's I mean and this is I suppose in some ways a credit to Harrison Smith that is he better in the box or is he better in coverage, and the answer may be yes. But Hearing Zimmer talk too about I might want a safety that can almost come back, come up and be a hybrid linebacker in the nickel package, was also interesting, and and it makes me wonder if that guy is like a better version of Anderson dejo in, in their minds. In the end, I, I think we've all thought it's a guy that can cover. And I, when they signed Michael Griffin last year, I mean, granted he was older, and we found out was playing through pretty serious back issues trying to just stay on the roster, but I think when they signed him we all thought, okay, that's the kind of guy we're talking about here. But I I almost wonder if they think if they're gonna get another safety, it's somebody that can move up enough that they can let Smith kind of roam the, the back half and, and be a guy that can cover and, you know, pick some balls off as well.
0: Yeah, I think everybody wants Maybe it's all of the above. Everybody now wants the cam chancellor, right? I mean, you would kill for that. They're so rare, it's really hard to find. That's the
3: prototype is a guy that can roam and a guy that can come up and thump people.
0: And maybe that's what some people see Jabril Peppers as. I don't quite because the game that I went back and watched really close because there's so many NFL prospects in it is um, the Michigan-Ohio State game. It was a really good game. And just a great game. Oh my gosh! There's everybody. There's a there's wide Except receivers. The there's tight ends. there's what the hell is
2: Harbaugh doing?
0: Offensive linemen. There's defensive like every, every position. It seems like for those two teams is going to get drafted. And with Peppers, he's a uh, making some plays in that game. But also, like for, if he's going to play a linebacker position, if an offensive lineman gets out on him on the second level block, it's just like he's not going to make an impact. Yeah. And you not, need a guy who not big enough. Right. You need a guy who can stick a lineman if he has to. Uh, to, to hold up a spot or get by an offensive lineman or tight end that's coming at him. I don't think that he can do that. But from that, well, the role that you described, if Peppers drops, he becomes interesting to me. Yeah.
1: Pabst Blue Ribbon is always smooth, always refreshing, and the perfect choice at the game or out with friends. And now, add gold to the great PBR tradition, because Paps Blue Ribbon was awarded the Gold Medal for American Style Lager at the 2016 Great American Beer Festival. That makes four gold medals for PBR in the last 11 years. Not bad. It's that gold medal taste that has made Paps Blue Ribbon a Twin Cities favorite.
2: When you're this good, quality always comes through. Go for the gold. PBR me, ASAP. But this is is my point about the internal discussions. Like, I think Spielman and probably the fan base is sitting there saying, offensive line, just address it finally. And I could very easily see a scenario where where Zimmer comes in and says, you know, we are built around defense. That's our calling card. And this guy's there and that guy's there. So I don't think, I think we think it's a slam dunk that they go offense in the second round. And logically, it probably is. I don't know if the entire organization is going to think that same way. Yeah, that's my guess. That's that's the one scenario that, that when people are doing their mock drafts, I think they're like, oh, they're going to have to take offensive line. They have to take it. Well, they do, but that doesn't mean the coach can't say, hey, we just signed two uh, free agent tackles, and this, as, as you said, color the safety's out there, and so or defensive lineman. So we should address that.
0: And it also doesn't mean that it has to be that second pick, though. Like with the offensive line. Because you can address the offensive line with two-thirds who might be similar-level prospects to the seconds. I was asking around just draft guys that really follow it super close. Like, when we hear that this is a bad offensive line draft, what does that mean? Because that's just what we've heard over and over again. Well, for a lot of them, it means there's no Orlando pace. There's no top-notch. Yeah, But there's this kind of ball of guys, maybe it's like 10 deep, who are second-slash-third and they you could kind of go either way on a lot of them they've all got maybe one issue maybe their ceiling isn't that high or maybe their ceiling's super high but it's unlikely they reach it if you drafted two offensive linemen in the third you probably have a just as good of a chance that your third round guy is going to be good as your second round guy at that point uh, just because of what type of prospects they are so it might leave you to yes we've got to address that o-line but we can kind of make a pick that we just really want or can help us right now uh in the second that might be your wide receiver it might be your running back it might be your defensive
1: back
3: i there's a lot of me that thinks they don't take an offensive lineman first of all overall or with their first pick part of me wonders if they are going to go a different direction I, and whether that's defensively or otherwise part of me now thinks that they're going to say We've done enough to fix the position, and we have guys that are higher on our board, and we need to go a different direction. And, yeah, if if you address the offensive line with third-round picks, I think that's fine. But I I really think it would be a big mistake to come out of this saying, well, we fixed our line with Reef and Remmers, mm-hmm. and we're good to go because you, your depth still is not there. And it's Setting aside what people may think of those two players, you still don't have a lot of depth. And I, I think yep. – we all probably see it, and we've all alluded to it. The situation where you wind up having to use T.J. Clemmings again in an important role is probably pretty close but, but to DEFCON 1. But
2: odds are good they're going to sit there and attempt to say we can rehabilitate T.J. Mm-hmm. Uh We're going to give Beavers another shot. See, the pro- that, that's the problem. The problem is, to your point, Ben, I don't know that they're going to look at this and say, okay. Besides the guys that that we signed, for the most part, we need to we need to bring in new depth. I think in their little minds, they're thinking, "Well, no, we've got depth, and now, given time, TJ can turn things around." And that's where where, in my opinion, you run into a problem of continuing trying to have these mid round draft picks who are at best average, at worst non non pro football players.
0: The one thing that they lack that I don't know there's anything you can really do about it. Is someone who could eventually become their star left tackle.
3: I think I say a franchise quarterback. <laughs> well, you're <laughs> we going to take a shot there at your guy.
0: That as well. Uh, They're both hard well, to fly. Well, I yeah. mean, come on. There isn't yeah. there e- whether you're a Bradford fan or not. There isn't anybody who thinks like all set. Yeah, like good good to go. We're yeah. uh we'll be competing with Aaron Rodgers for a long time here with Sam. It I think everybody would view that as. Well, he's in the middle. Yeah. Star, and,
2: but star tackles on, on that side. And I it's think they're hard to find his quarterbacks. Well, they are.
0: That, yes, exactly. But the difference is you can't ever draft a guy in the second or third round who's a quarterback. It's very rare. And then that person just develops into a franchise quarterback. Russell Wilson, I guess. But. It's it's rare. Uh, yes, that there have been those uh, exceptions. Did you guys know that Tom Brady was a sixth round draft? I so, I've heard. That why a doesn't time everyone get the quarterback
2: in in a sixth round? That's in, what I don't get. Incredible fact would have been a trendsetter.
0: Yeah, everyone should just wait until the sixth and then draft all the quarterbacks. <laughs> okay, now we can start taking quarterbacks. Um, but you know what I mean, though. Yes, with offensive linemen, it is possible to draft someone in the second round who has a, a potential to develop into a franchise left tackle. I'll yeah. just use since I used to cover the Bills, Cordy Glenn was that. Mm-hmm. On draft night, the first words out of Mel Kuiper's mouth were, well, I think Cordy Glenn is more of a guard. Well, now he's a franchise left tackle. And it's not a slam at Kuiper, It's just that's how it goes, right? There are a lot of guys who say G slash T.
2: I saw it as a slam at
0: Kuyper. Total slam at Kuiper. I saw you slam. Take that, the, Mel. Ben uh, Gessling's
2: co-worker, you just slammed him. I, I hope he's not too offended. Sorry, him.
0: Mel. Uh, you have great hair. But uh, there's a lot of guys who have that potential to, yeah. to develop into a left tackle whereas quarterback yeah maybe well, not so much but but th- that to me goes back to why if you're Rick Spielman you're saying look th- there are guys who could be maybe our tackle maybe we have to start him at guard but they could be our tackle and that's what we need you are not set with Remmers and Reef long term
2: and yeah. let's not for- forget too the there there were there's a variety of circumstances why Khalil didn't work out but that's a mammoth mammoth bust mm-hmm. yeah. i mean that's that's not a, that's too bad that was a guy as as i've said Matt Khalil goes to the Pro Bowl his first year. Your hope at that point is that the next time you really talk about him extensively is his first contract. You extend it for five more years, and he's here 10 to 12 to 15 years. And then you talk about him as a retirement. Exactly. Yeah. And and, and if he's Joe Thomas, the, the conversation is, is he going to Canton in five right. years or 10 years? Right. My point being is the Matt Khalil uh, bust is an enormous issue. That can't yeah. just – I mean, that's your – that was – that's – why you went 3-13. and 13. Yeah. I mean, you went 3-13, and 13 and you take him, and at that point in time, you, you're not just saying, I hope this works out. You're saying, we just took our left tackle. Yeah. And now that, that left tackle, one contract in, is in Carolina. So, and
3: this brings up an interesting point on Khalil, and I think it was probably not something we were planning to get into, but I, I like it. I, I want to spend a little bit of time on it here. Why is that pick... And I have a theory on it, but I want to hear what you guys think. Why is that pick not regarded as a massive whiff, given the fact that it was fourth overall? It's the highest pick they've had probably in – I can't remember the last time they picked that high. I mean, they, they probably since the the 1984 year, I suppose, probably since they picked Chris Dolman, I guess. But uh, Yeah, it probably would be. Why is that pick not seen – as this massive black mark on their recent draft history. Chris Maybe it was
0: is. Really I don't know. good by the way. He was I'm really just glad good. Glad that he got in the Hall of Fame. Drafted as was...
2: a linebacker from Pitt, correct, and then switched to a defensive end and was a fantastic player. Great player. A real, you know what, his first go around here, but a hell of a player.
0: Um, heard that. when it oh. comes to uh Khalil, Man. I look at it as a massive bust. I mean, I, I don't it When it comes to any of these guys, it's just always hard for me when you whiff on a first-round pick to go after the people who selected said player because Matt Khalil looked like as good of a left tackle prospect as has been out there in a long time. I mean, that is the way he was talked about leading up yeah. to it. I think when it's someone like Willie Beavers, where. No, people didn't even have him on their lists <laughs> as being drafted and you spend a fourth round pick I There's think the ability that, to people I think that there is a reasonable criticism there but even then I remember when Travis Frederick was taken by the Dallas Cowboys and he was I mean they were mocked like yeah. all over I've dug up the pro football talk article like no one understands what they were thinking well now he's the best center in the league so like okay well I guess they knew what they were thinking or got lucky with Khalil. Every one of us here would have drafted Matt Khalil with the fourth overall pick. Everybody in the fan base would have taken him. They needed a left tackle terribly. There's nothing you could do. He just didn't turn out to what he was supposed to be. So maybe that's the reason you don't hear criticism. But I would agree with you, Judd, that it's almost as bad – as missing on Jamarcus Russell or something. Like, it's almost as devastating yep. having that pick at that position blow up as having a quarterback blow up.
2: I think it's uh, l- largely because of what Collar just said. I think, Ben, it's he's not regarded – it's not talked about because we all w- would have made the same pick. Nobody
3: scratched their heads at the time.
2: It's also an interesting situation of the injury started. Yeah. And I don't know how bad they they were, but all I know is I saw a guy – who his first year was a Pro Bowl type player and was phenomenal. He was great, and his play went off a cliff. Yeah, and it's hard to, it's hard to believe that he just became bad. Um, all those things being said, I think internally, if you're the team, you are mortified this happened because you did make that pick with the intention of the guy would be there for ten years. Yeah. So when you take Christian Ponder. Ponder doesn't get hurt. He just wasn't good. Right. That's an embarrassment publicly. I mean, you missed. You just flat out, you took a gamble and you missed. In the Khalil case, you took a pick that I think the rest of the world would have taken for you, looked really good for a year. Yeah. So I don't think it's as embarrassing publicly. Internally, though, I think it's got to be gauged as a disaster, right? I mean, if, if you're in Winter Park and you're talking about that, Khalil is a internal it's an internal it's a huge problem because you don't have a left tackle he gave you 1 year and now he's gone and and you went through the pain of a 3 and 13 season and, to get and that you got nothing out of and it and you
0: got nothing and now you had to spend a boatload of cash to get someone who is very average yeah yeah so yeah.
2: all those things being said i think that i think that if you are discussing this in eden prairie you, you are thinking to yourself, this is a bleeping disaster.
3: Well, and I think the reason that publicly, at least it doesn't get brought up as much as other misses at that spot would is, is what you guys said. I, I think it was the pick at the time that everybody thought, okay, this is the one that makes sense. But yeah, they, they spent $58 million on Riley reef, who was not a left tackle last year in Detroit. Uh, in fact, was replaced with a first round pick at left tackle. And now they're expecting him to be a left tackle. I mean, Ideally, you're paying Khalil more than that because he's good enough to earn it. But yes, the fact that that spot is once again being turned over to protect a quarterback that might or might not be the guy is part of the reason that you kind of feel like the ceiling may not be as high as, as people were thinking last year when you had a young quarterback that, that everybody thought was improving and, and was going to take the next step. And, and now you're sort of like, well, we'll see. The defense is still going to be really good. But can the offense get up to a point where these pieces help it be competent enough to win? I I think that's, I mean, the, the reasons why it doesn't get ripped. I, th- I think you guys alluded to them and I think those are correct, but whatever the reasons they are back to the, you know, the starting process of a new guy at, at a very important position there.
0: You know, what it reminds me of is RG three with Mac. Yeah. Because you could actually say if you're the team, well, we picked a guy who could really play. He did it. Yeah, you, we, didn't you see? Like he was really good, and then a bunch of other things went wrong. Now maybe Matt Khalil didn't want to adjust the way he needed to. I, I know that I was watching a piece or reading a piece from uh, Jeff Schwartz. You know him, former Giants yeah. lineman, former, and Viking. former Vikings lineman. Yeah. yeah. Oh, played okay. Here. He played for the Vikings too. For so, here, yeah. so he. Uh, he writes now for s b Nation, I think, and i was or one of those, and yeah, I, I was so. uh reading his article about how the i think it was the chiefs were protecting one of their young offensive linemen you should um
3: by the way you sh- you should um, link to that, put a headline on it, and uh, get your own piece and get yeah, you <laughs> probably get a bunch of traffic. Inside, oh, oh the SB Nation inside, said, inside yes, baseball uh, joke. Yeah, that.
0: I get, I get you there. Yes. Four people um, will get that, but that's fine. But any well, anyway, so or maybe it was uh Taylor Lewan who he was talking about. I think. Yeah. Well, well, one of the young left tackles and he was just showing how you can scheme to protect a guy Now, I think the natural thing to say here would be, wish you schemed a little more to protect T.J. Clemmings (laughs) last year, but they were protecting five guys uh, or four. They did
3: it in 2015. Um, They definitely schemed to protect T.J. Clemmings in 2015.
0: And so when we look at the PFF grade from Matt Khalil and we think about how he played, we usually kind of in our minds, other than the pro football focus grades, we kind of just judge on how often did you get burned. If it's not you and I, we go back and watch the game on tape, so we get, I think, a more accurate version of it but if you just watched him you might I have just been ask like, matt bowen when he thinks that's a great plan matt bowen <laughs> is another ex-player who's a really good yeah. writer um yeah. but you know so maybe it was part scheme to protect him maybe it was part like okay now we can leave him on his own uh-oh no we can't leave him on his own or maybe it was part the drive wasn't there to be the great left tackle that he needed to be. And you know what doesn't help that? Is getting paid after you were bad and hurt. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm sure he'll have way different drive but now, you right? Should,
2: but, but it, you know, they, the Vikings blamed uh, Port... What, what was his name? Charlie Johnson. They blamed Charlie Johnson a few years back and because Charlie had been left tackle when Bryant McKinney left. And so Charlie eventually got moved to left guard. And they tried to say, you know, Matt Khalil was left out and look at Charlie did this wrong and that wrong. I'm sorry, but when you draft a guy fourth overall in a draft you shouldn't have to scheme to protect him right you know if I draft a guy in a sixth round I mean if it's T.J. Clemmings playing left tackle at every turn I should protect him but if it's a guy I took fourth overall in a draft and had a great first year I should be able to say you know what you're going to do you're going to protect other players so I think you hit on something though collar that's very intriguing that I sense with Khalil too Football is an awful sport. It's a terrible sport to play. Matt Khalil was hurt a lot. There are linemen, Joe Thomas, for instance, who I, who I sense play through everything. And they suck it up and they don't care. And their pain threshold is through the roof. I think Khalil got through the first year and then he started to get hurt in the second year. And he said, this is really, really difficult. And... That's the one thing, it's amazing, with all of these tests that incoming draft picks get and how much they get poked and prodded, I think the one thing that's really hard to tell until they actually have to play the game every Sunday is how much pain can you put up with, are you willing to go through, because there are guys who flat out love the game so much, they don't care, they'll just keep playing, and I think there's some very smart, reasonable people that say, this is way more than I thought, I'll keep playing but I'm not necessarily going to play as well as as the guy that says, I just love football and don't care. He didn't miss many
3: practices, though. I mean, even with all the injuries, he was usually out there and didn't really miss many games either, at least those years where he was able to play with the knee injuries. But there was always sort of this thing with him, and you've heard people say it, that, well, maybe playing with his brother is the best thing for him because his brother's a multiple-time Pro Bowler, and his brother I think people feel like might be the guy that gets him to – Play with enough of that edge to get to that level or get back to that level. So implicit in that is sort of, well, yeah, he might need somebody to help him get there because the the internal sort of, I want to be the best, no matter. I what I freaking guys.
2: takes. I don't blame may not be quite there. The
3: sports suck. Yeah, no, no doubt. It, I mean, I'm not trying to say that, you uh, should play through, but anybody
2: would want to do. If your pain, th- if your pain threshold is such that that's it you're not going to be able to necessarily press through it as easily as the guy who can just tune the the whole world out because all he thinks about all day long is football.
0: You know what I think, too, with the transition from from college to NFL, that you could just never know. You can ask as many guys as you want how good of dancers they are in their little draft interviews, yeah. uh, but what you will not know is how they do with no support system. Like, in college, everything is there for you on a planet. Did you see the um, right. Texas uh, lockers that are worth $10,000 yes. a piece that they just put in? I, I mean, you have a camaraderie, you have an alumni, you have teammates who all will support you at everything else. It's dog-eat-dog so much in the NFL that if you're a good backup, you might take my job, so forget you. Mm-hmm. And in practice, I'm going to make sure that everybody knows that, right? Mm-hmm. It's very much different. It's taken money from people's families if you win jobs. And I think that level of competitiveness, I think that's not for everybody. I was uh, reading a piece from a former WNBA player and she was talking about when she went from college to the WNBA, she was like in practice, they would knock me down and follow me. I'm like, yeah, they're trying to keep a job. That's pro sports. Right. Like, I mean, in football, I mean, in basketball, I'm sure it's really competitive. But football, you can really hit the guy. Yeah. So, like, I think that is not for everybody. And you get also the criticism. Matt Khalil said he deleted his Twitter account because he was getting criticized too much from fans.
3: There was the fan after the Packer game with the hat. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> yes, I knocked
0: yes. It. And, I knocked and you, you know off. what? There are some guys who let that fuel them and some guys who really can't take they it shrink. very well.
2: Yep. Well, and especially if you've been a star in in youth football, yeah. high school, college and you are always the star. I mean Matt Khalil, the guy who plays left tackle now for Dallas, right? He was the right tackle at USC cuz Khalil was such a good college player. <laughs> And now didn't the Cowboys' they, line is didn't fantastic. They move him
3: from left to right to yes. make room for Khalil. Yes, but yeah, but, but, but my point. Smith.
2: But my point is that Smith Smith gets to college, and now you you look and say, "What the hell?" And at that time, <laughs> they said, "We're moving you to right tackle because yeah. we got this Khalil yeah. kid who's so good." Yep. And now you look at Khalil, and you are like, "Are you serious? You did that?" Yeah. Well, so I mean, physically, he certainly fit the bill. Question for both you guys, uh, since we're getting close to the 2017 draft, what do you guys, in all? Honesty and candor make of 2016 now. I mean, the Vikings are trying to sell us. I saw the quotes about, you know, uh, yeah, we took a lot of good young players and they're going to learn. Aww. What are what are we to make? I mean, this oh, is a the draft, the draft class of 2016. Um, now, one year later, like as we sit here, as one year later, as we sit here on a draft class that begins with a wide receiver who was targeted three times all season long. And include, but had that one really good catch. And includes a cornerback who might be used in the nickel, but when he was used last year, looked completely lost. What do we make of this draft class? Uh, it's it's
3: hard for me to, especially at this point, when what we have to go on is what we saw on the field in, in briefcases last year and what they're saying now when guys are not in pads and they're not really doing anything that matters. Everybody's healthy. Nobody's playing through stuff. It is hard to take what's being said now, match it up with what actually happened last year, be like, oh, everything's fine. Especially with the top two guys, we've heard enough with both guys in terms of, well, they've still got to figure some things out about how life works in the NFL, how to be a pro, how to take coaching, all that kind of stuff that you still have to learn that I, I at the very least I want to see it. I want to see the results before... I'm going to say, oh yeah, there, there's there's potential for more there. I, I think it's uh, a healthy skepticism is certainly probably a good thing to have with that draft, especially because when you trade the third round pick, you are putting most of the weight of it on those top two guys, and and, and when you cut the fourth round pick. So if it's on Treadwell and Alexander, I think we at the very least have to wait for a while and see if they're going to be able to produce before we say, yeah, this can the thing can turn around.
0: You know what I think of it in terms of uh, you playing basketball, Ben? I could help you with your shot, and I could help you improve it. I've got a really good shot, Ben. You oh, that's cool. It. It's unbelievable.
3: You do? But I could help you with your Tell shot. Tell me more about that. Yes, it's People great. People are really excited to hear about this.
0: Crush it from downtown. Nice.
3: You like Steph Curry of the uh, YMCA? The
0: NBA Jam guy comes on and goes, he's on fire! Wow. Every
3: day. Good for you.
0: That's how good I am. Great. Let me get to the point. I could help you improve. <laughs> I could help you improve your shot. I can't make you six foot seven. Nope. There are correctable problems and there are not correctable problems with Laquan Treadwell and Mackenzie Alexander. I wonder if their problems are correctable. You can't make people's minds change. You can't make Laquan Treadwell a self-aware, really smart guy. It's just not going to happen. You can't make Mackenzie Alexander, not hard headed. That's going to be very difficult. Now maybe maturity could play into all this, but I tend to think that those makeup problems are, Are not correctable, and that's what really concerns me because I think physically Laquan Treadwell is slower than most tight ends. That's a problem, but historically, it hasn't been a devastating problem for wide receivers. Yeah, if you've got the rest,
3: and
0: Even this, he got in and out of that one break on that catch. But, I mean, Zimmer brought up, well, he can get in and out of breaks pretty well and he can battle for the ball. I believe in all that. But unless he's going to listen, unless he's going to learn, unless he's really going to take this seriously, the the on-the-field part, not just working out and posting it on Instagram, then he's not going to get it. And I'm very very low on the chances that he does.
3: Yeah, and I think it'll be interesting to see now, too, what, happens with a new wide receivers coach because you heard a few rumblings about well you know George Stewart was a likable guy but the development of some of these guys wasn't happening in the same way that they hoped it would I mean certainly with Patterson and some of that a lot of that is on Patterson and and some of it may be on Treadwell if it doesn't work out as well but you know I think it's probably fair to say when you have a guy that was a, a receivers coach in college and then was a head coach might be a little bit of a teacher might be a little bit more of a teacher. So I, you hope that that can work. But like you're saying, that's only half the battle you have to be able to have something that you're working with. That's going to receive that and, and grow from it. And I think that's the reason that I'm still a little bit skeptical of the whole thing.
0: Right. You're either going to keep your elbow in. Cause I tell you, or you're not Ben and then you can improve your shot.
3: I, I'm, I'm really excited for you to turn me into uh, one of the splash brothers here. Yeah. I, I, you know, you're, you're, well, Knowledge you, and uh, wisdom will, will certainly change my uh, outlook on pickup well, basketball. You
0: have a gangliness to you that would be difficult, I think.
3: In in a few years, I'll have great old man moves. Yeah, I think uh, so. I'm probably not really tall enough to have old man
0: moves. Here's another but, thing. Uh, <laughs> Since you're a <laughs> runner, there. you can get back on defense for the whole game. That is See, true. Someone who is... Uh, well, that, I,
3: that is basically the entire strategy for me when I play pickup anything. is like, I, you know... I cannot hustle just about everybody, and I will, and that makes up for a lot. Especially when you're playing, like I was playing hockey this winter with, or even broomball with guys that are out of shape. It's like, ah, I'm going to battle the whole way, and and you can yeah, battle your it. tail off. I, I am going to battle my tail off, Jud. Like yeah, Ron Gardner would be very proud. Did of Did you me. want it? Uh, oh yeah, I you, you, as a distance <laughs> runner, <laughs> you, you always grit? want it.
2: What heart and grit? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm a gym rat,
3: the first guy and last guy to leave.
0: Yeah, you could play running back for the Patriots.
3: Yeah. <laughs> or wide receiver. <laughs> anyway, um, before we get ourselves in any more trouble, um, yeah, I, I used to be able to touch the rim, and then I started running and distance running does awful things for your vertical. Yeah,
0: but you could, but
1: you
3: could
2: keep running. until till
0: the fourth
3: quarter. Well, your there. calf, That's... your calf muscles get. I think there's and a very good chance that
2: you are long-term knee, knee replacement, both knees.
3: I don't. Well, my
2: dad's had bad knees. Distance runner, I've you had don't... no knee injuries. I, yeah, but I'm just telling you the wear and tear on your knees from. Running is going to be great. You're basically Namath. Uh, You're going to be know. in great shape and live for a long time and be miserable. <laughs> my my, I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to drop dead and be very happy. <laughs> Such
0: a great quote.
3: <laughs> Jud's going to drop dead and be very happy. I'm going to and as I be die, I'm going to say, "Told you so."
0: Can I can I ask one more football draft question? I was going to I was going to kill
3: it right there. Real real Judd's quick. Jud saying he's going to die quick. and be very happy. Do you,
0: do you guys have a most interesting player in the draft? First round, second round doesn't matter. Like guy that you just can't wait to see what happens. The the kid
3: that I guess comes to mind is the guy whose name I can't pronounce Tano Passingon or whatever the uh, the defensive end from Villanova. Oh, okay. It's like six seven just total workout. Freak. I won't try to help you on that. Okay, uh, I'm sure I just butchered it. From but where? From Villanova. Oh, it's like six football, seven football hotbed. Yeah, football I mean, and he's like a he's like a Stephen Weatherly type guy in terms of how smart he is. He like has been. Doing internships, I think, overseas. He's got a very interesting backstory. Wow. So I I'm curious to see him. Uh I I'm sort of interested to see if the Vikings have some interest in him because he's in that Mike Zimmer mold as a defensive lineman, that freaky kind of pass rusher type, and he'd just be interesting to cover this to that's me, the one that comes to mind this to me, to me is, for me.
2: This to me is so simple. It's mixing. Ambulance chasing draft fan th- that I am, I am I am curious. <laughs> I am so cu- someone someone is going to take him probably probably what late first round second round at some point early possibly. I am really I think there is a lot of m- misinformation right now out about him as far as teams. Oh, we we like him because teams are desperate for uh, for other teams to come and trade for that pick. But anyway, I am really curious to see because that team's going to put up with a lot of heat. And they might get a pretty damn good player, but they're going to get a lot of You heat
3: take party. Joe Mixon. I take the guy that had an internship with an accounting firm. That's, I wouldn't uh, take him. No, probably no. Very I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't touch him. I'm not him, saying he's care- the one you're the Oh, most yeah, oh this, yeah. This is a Ambul- pretty good.
2: Ambulance chasing draft fan. Depiction of the am.
3: dichotomy between you and yes. me. Yes. Yes. The guy had the internship at Cooper. So perhaps when they have to fire those partners that got the Oscar announcement wrong, maybe he'll be announcing the uh, best picture one of The Wilson
0: Possibly. I'll take Deshaun Watson. I really like him yeah, in yeah. college,
3: but That's there's... Was, uh, That's Scott cool. Turner really liked him, too. There's I enough talking to him about that one. he was showing the door. Well, yeah. yeah.
0: There's but. enough question marks that make him intriguing to me. Like, not, not just... I mean, when you beat Alabama and put up the numbers that he put yeah. up, that is like playing an NFL defense right there. Yeah. I mean, half the defense for Alabama will get drafted or more at some point or another. So, him doing that. But then again, through a lot of interceptions, there's some questions about his arm strength, it's that he's got great makeup. He's a smart kid. He impressed people with his tape analysis in the meetings. He's got the leadership. He's got some physical gifts, but there are also questions that makes him interesting to me. Who's going to overdraft him?
3: Yeah, yeah, that one will be interesting to watch as well. I mean, you mentioned some of those things, and and you see guys like Russell Wilson in recent years that have some physical things. We're like, well, I don't know, but. Seems like we're maybe trending a little bit more towards the tape proves the guy can play, and and you hope people will trust that. But yeah, that is that is an interesting one as well.
2: Speaking of that, is Trubisky this good? Do we think? Uh, I don't think so. No. I don't think so either. There's a
3: lot of steam behind that kid's name. Yeah, he's, he's been rising a lot. Or there has it's, been.
2: It's just it.
0: The guy who shows up at the end. Oh, I know. Always yeah. tends to be the bust, right?
3: Yeah, you're
2: probably right. I just I've this always happens though. Yeah. It seems like now. Take right? Miles
3: yeah. Garrett. Cleveland, just don't don't overthink it. Somebody, oh,
0: somebody shoots up the board. Blake Bortles shoots up the board. Oh, Blaine Gabbert shoots up the board. Ryan Tannehill. I mean, you could go through these. Yeah, guys. you're right. Uh, Carson Wentz is that guy last year. Carson yeah. Wentz. Most people are like, oh, he might be a late first, and then he's number yeah, two people overall.
3: Are mar- mortgaging their future to trade up for him, and you know, we'll see what he is. I I don't know that he's going to be worth that in the end, but uh, lots of lots of intrigue coming. I will. I guess be I'll be in Bristol at this. I'll be flying back from Bristol at this time next week. We have our big uh, NFL Nation draft show during which I will probably be uh, filmed sitting in a green room reading a magazine because I don't really have to do anything. It's great. I don't have to do any mock drafts. Is there stuff, a purpose but, for you to be there whatsoever? Well, we still have a lot of meetings. We have a lot of very important issues okay. to discuss right. in our in our path towards world domination at the worldwide leader in sports. So. Uh, whether it makes you turn, tune in next week or whether it makes you not tune in next week, you can decide for yourselves. But uh, it'll probably just be these two clowns next week uh, discussing final draft prep. Uh, so, like I said, you can you can take it or and leave Judd's that dribbling
2: technique. It's off. Well, well, no, you, you can break
3: down Judd's no, basketball. No, we're going to break week.
2: down the 2017 Viking schedule. Oh yeah, That's schedule right. Releases Are you tomorrow night. We can do the entire show on that whole. Do, thing. do
3: we need to do an emergency podcast on Friday just to break down the schedule?
2: I'm I in. We could. I love. I we
0: love could. the release.
2: I'm, I, I'm so guilty of that.
0: I just love emergency podcasts. Well, yeah, emergency podcasts are. Always I told fun. you guys
2: full slate of hockey playoffs, basketball playoffs, re- regular season baseball on Thursday, and the number one talker in this country on Friday will be the, the NFL, NFL schedule. schedule.
0: Let's do it. Yeah, All right, we could.
3: Jinx, Ted, you gotta buy me a coke. Bye.